This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello, mindful listeners. Thank you, as always, for spending some of your day with us. Got an incredible guest. She has written a book. I'm just going to give you the title of the book because it'll probably tell you a lot about her, but I'm also going to give her that chance as well. Her book title is Own Your Glow. Don't you just love that? Own Your Glow, A Soulful Guide to Luminous Living and Crowning the Queen Within. Latham, I'm just going to bring you on. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Listeners, this is Lathan Thomas. She, beyond being an author of this incredible book, does so much more. And we're going to be talking today about why do African-American women continue to face complications giving birth and so much more, especially in these incredible, extraordinary uh, pandemic COVID-19 times. So thank you so much for being here. Wow. Thank you for having me for an important conversation such as this. I appreciate it. Oh, it is so important. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, you have such an extraordinary bio, but I'm just going to let you kind of give me the hot points. Yeah. So I'm a mom. I have a son who's 17 now. And my journey really started with my pregnancy and experience of delivering in New York City. My son was born in the birth center here. And I had a really empowered birthing experience with um, midwives. Um, the day that my son was born, it was like 1.09 p.m. And then at 6 p.m., I walked home with him and I was like, where wow. are the grownups? Where are the grownups? <laughs> right. You know, and it was like so empowering. But also at the same time, it was terrifying to be with like a, a new human. And I think the experience that I had that was so powerful during birth, like led me to do the doula work. Like it wasn't something that was immediate, but it was something that over time started to develop. I had this, this real bent for advocacy. And I also had um, an experience of my birth center when my son was born actually ended up getting shut down about a month after his birth. And it was due to the malpractice insurance premiums going through the sky roof. Um, and the, the rates were super high, so people couldn't carry the insurance. And it, mean, it meant that midwives had to find really challenging ways to operate. And so most of the birth centers closed. And so we only have three now in New York State. And so when we think about you know, advocacy, when we think about access and, and people having choice, it's really important to know what your options are. And so, you know, my work is to help educate folks and also help them uh, seek options that are appropriate for them and their families. And then, you know, our real focus now, too, is just really educating um, doulas who are non-clinical care providers that support folks along the pregnancy and birth continuum and get those folks to, to help, you know, be on the front lines to help advocate, to help educate, and also to um, really protect this experience, right? And we know that, as you said, there's a, a real challenge in this country um, is for maternal birth, um, for maternal health, rather, and that we know um, people of color and Black women specifically are disproportionately affected by poor birth outcomes and maternal mortality. And so, Part of our work and, and our mission is to eradicate that through education advocacy and um, and really making sure to inform folks the best way we can. So, you know, it's just an ongoing thing. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I love this. I want, And I think you did it a little bit in, in your introduction of yourself, because I think that my listeners are probably most uh, used to listening to the words, or, or not listening to the words, but understanding the term midwife, but mm-hmm. maybe not so, not so much doula. So I right. want you to just 
to give me a deeper dive into what actually is a doula. And I think you touched on it. I mean, the advocacy, because before I, I let you go with the answer to this question, it's like, I have to tell you, I think this process mm-hmm. for women is so incredible. I mean, could you think of a, a, a one that tops it? Like, I just, it's just, it's, it's almost like, uh, I don't, I just think it's miraculous. I really do. But I also feel like, um, in our society, and this is what I've seen clinically, that mm-hmm. it is not that we do not focus enough on maternal health. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, sure, we're always looking at prenatal and hey, how's your baby? And have you had your prenatal checkups? And are you taking your prenatal vitamin? And it's more about focusing on that little zygote, right? That's inside of you. <laughs> but the mom, I think, especially during birth and after birth, goes through so much and needs so much support and care physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera. Anyway, I interrupted you with a question that I asked, but so talk to me and tell my listeners a little bit more about like, what is a doula? Absolutely. It's a great place to start. And thank you for just like coloring for folks what, you know, that, that um, educational gap is, right? Because we all have this because it hasn't been part of our upbringing or public consciousness, right? And so people don't really know the difference. So it's a great question. Um, Doulas are non-clinical care providers that provide emotional support, physical support, education, advocacy tools. If there's a partner present, they're going to make sure that partner's educated to support in the best way that they can. And also um, they're to just help what I call it kind of like being a producer for your birth, you know, like Mm. thinking about like all of the things that you don't want to have to be worried about, but you hope are in place. Right. And it's like, if you think about like getting married and having someone who's like planning and making sure that everything goes smoothly. So you don't have to be (laughs) the person getting married and worried about your guest list or whatever. It's like thinking about things like that. What are the things you're going to want when you're, when you go to the place of birth, you know, what are the things you're going to, want to have postpartum, what type of support you'll want um, during the birth, someone who's thinking about, you know, systems that you want to have in place once the baby arrives. So when you go home, you're transitioning much more smoothly and not just figuring it out off the cuff, figuring out what your um, sort of birth village looks like, who are those people and, and really caretakers that are going to help support you through that process. And so the doula is really there to kind of um, be like the glue and the connective tissue, you know, to, to serve as um, this uh, this really protective role, you know, of, of the person who's birthing. And so, you know, what I see is uh, critically important right now, especially in the times that we're living in COVID-19 with people being um, separated from their families, you know, how we've evolved, our families are you know, we live not so close together. We don't live with the people that we grew up with, right? We usually, you know, travel to a place where we want to have a career and we settle in that place. And so maybe our parents are across the country sometimes and, you know, our immediate family's not right there. And what happens a lot for people is that they end up by themselves. And so it's like, what does it look like to deliver in a place where you don't have community? Um, The doula kind of can help meet that gap where you don't have those supports that you would normally hope for they can step in and do a lot of those things that the family would be doing to support you. And so um, it's like a, it's a role that I think also meets our modern needs for how we've evolved in terms of our, um, in terms of how we've spread out, you know, in the world and, and how we function in society. 
That's incredible. I mean, I think education is everything and and to to have an advocate during this process unbelievable. But let's turn the topic to why st- statistically are births so much more complicated for African American women? Like what is yeah. going on there and how can we help support these crazy numbers? Um, how can we change this? Yeah, so there's a couple things uh, to look at. And, and first, um, I would say it's like so layered. So we have the experience of people who are um, going into hospitals or um, just entering into whatever the clinical experience might be. It could be a checkup. It could be going into the ER. There's many, you know, checkpoints that I would say um, show up as experiences that people say, I did not feel supported. My clinical needs weren't met. I was neglected. Um, I had pain that was symptomatic, but nobody seems to care. Like these are things that folks report feeling or their experience is going in. And so oftentimes um, black women will be underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed, um, especially in the times that we're in where people are doing a lot of telehealth and not actually going in for screenings. Um, you have really critical uh, screening windows where we could field for um, diseases or be looking for things that might impact certain communities more, and they're not getting screened because they're at home doing telehealth and not being able to get their blood drawn. And right, so this is this is happening as well, where we're sort of folks are falling through the gaps um, or through the cracks. Rather, you have people who have um, comorbidities just based on where they live and where they are in terms of economic status or location. If I live in an area that's really polluted, for instance, like I might have asthma, right? I might have diabetes because I live in an area that's like a food desert or I have, you know, I don't have access to, um, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables maybe in my community. Um, You have the instance of, hypertension, right, which is correlated with diet, but mainly correlated with stress and the lived experience of racism that folks have, you know, that will show up as a stress response that when you have a chronic stress response that turns into, that will develop into hypertension, right? And so you have people who have hypertension, they move into pregnancy that are exacerbated by the maternal adaptations for pregnancy, right? And so then here you go, where you might be in the second, third trimester, maybe you haven't modified the, the lifestyle to accommodate for things that might stress you out or make you anxious. And if you don't have those outlets or those, those um, supports, then that can amplify and become preeclampsia, for instance, right? Sure. Then you have people who go in, they have their babies, they're fine, they come out, and then maybe don't survive days later, right? You have people who, maybe they're post-eclamptic, maybe there's a postpartum hemorrhage, um, you know, we have placental disorders, things like this that disproportionately affect Black women, that yeah. then we don't have sort of a, a protocol in place to address so that we can protect against, like, when it, when it shows up, we should be able to really meet the need. And what happens many times is we don't get the information about what occurred and why somebody died. Um, And it takes a long time to get this information. It's always, um, I mean, obviously there's institutions that are geared towards protecting themselves legally. So it's not like we as people 
get to have access to the information that would help empower us to be able to say, well, what exactly happened here and how do we make these changes? We also don't make um, every, in every state, you don't have to report on maternal deaths based on race and exactly what happened in each of these instances, right? And so we have to also um, advocate for better data so that we can understand what's exactly happening so we can correct it. But I think the main thing for people to understand is that it's, you know, it's not an issue of race. It's an issue of racism, right? So it's not an issue of, you're not, you're not, because you're in this community and because you have this, this background or this skin color, does it make you predisposed? What makes you predisposed is the forces that are working on you because you have that skin color, because you're that background, right? So that's the thing that people have to understand. I think it's a great point that, and I think we're start. Oh my gosh, I'm just my fingers are crossed, my eyes are crossed, my hairs are crossed, my toes are crossed. I'm hoping that we're starting to actually get this, you know, because I mm-hmm. think it's important for all of us. Because when you add it all up, those things that you said, you know, just um, medical racism, the food deserts that you talked about, the comorbidities, perhaps because of inadequate sort of, uh, you know, the, your, your generational economic mobility that has been, you know, devastated. Um, and there's, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's so important historically, you know, when John Lewis passed and, and I, I read his final words, I just got so moved to continue to look into history to understand and want to understand more how I can help mm-hmm. and how we can just expand. I mean, this is what the show's all about, right? It's mindful, mindfulness, mindful medicine. Yep. So being more mindful about these things because it's leading to physical poor outcomes for not only the mom, but this also this little dependent being being born, you know, I mean, and so you, you, you have a brand. So all of this advocacy work, you, you, you founded something called Mama Glow, which I love, <laughs> you know, could you, could you think <laughs> of a better, better, um, sort of title for your your brand and for what you do. Uh, I think that is incredibly great. And this led you, though, then to to uh, to write this book, Own Your Glow? You know, Own Your Glow was really focused on just self-embetterment. And it was like a lot of the things I talk about in my first book, Mama Glow, which is also named after the brand. Um, that book really focused on pregnancy. And then this book is really... A lot of the things I talk about in terms of loving yourself and mothering yourself and slowing down and a lot of things I ask pregnant people to do. In this book, it's more for everyone, but it is focused on um, you being able to achieve your goals and, but also in a way that's more aligned with optimal well-being. And so I think that we're in this culture, you just spoke the words mindfulness, which is so important because the way that we're moving is not, or the way I should say we're sort of taught to move through the world is not mindful at all, right? And not considerate of others, not really considerate of our needs, not listening to our bodies. And so I think there becomes this dialogue, right, where people are not engaging in conversation with their bodies, are not listening, and are not responding to their needs. And so the the book really offers an invitation for you to do that, right? For you to listen to your body and to take a more somatic approach to um, moving through your life, like really feeling your way through things so that what I do really feels intentional, but also is aligned with my well-being. And so um, I talk about self-care. I talk about developing practices that can help us um, 
you know, feel our best and also that can get us into a place where we feel better when we're at a place where we're low. And I also talk about, um, you know, how our modern living can really be, um, I think, is a culprit for a lot of what we're experiencing now in terms of um, hypertension, in terms of uh, anxiety and stress and, you know, using social media and all these things that, like, we, we take for granted and we expect to be part of our life. Um, can really be, can really impact our health. And so I invite people to find ways to um, lean into their self-care first, slow down and, and sort of move into this, this framing of anti-hustle. I think that like hustle is celebrated in our culture. And I want people to kind of do the anti version of that, like move against the grain when it comes to hustle and the quarantine, by the way, has been a really powerful gift in like, mm-hmm. I want to say, and I want to preface that by saying, I know that many people are job insecure, housing insecure, food of insecure. Course. So I'm not saying this without underlining those things. But at the same time, for many of us who have been in our cars for two hours a day, uh, two hours each way commuting, who've been in subways or public transport, like underneath someone's armpit for like 45 minutes to get to our destination. And then those of us who are 10 hours a day in a workplace and then spending very little time with our families and not even being able to eat together, like that was disordered living and we bought into that. And so I think the invitation we have now is to use this time that we're inside and to reflect and to prepare and to create and design for a different life. Like when we come out of here, what is it that you're not going to do again? What is it that's on your stop doing list? What is it that you're going to release and, and, um, and move into a different pattern with? Because I think that's what we really need to be doing right now so that we can move forward collectively and start saying like, yeah, none of us are going to go back and, and devote like 72 hours a week, you know, like figure out what is going to be the collective action and, but starting with yourself. Right. And so that's, that's one of the gifts I feel like quarantine has offered us is an opportunity to reflect and really figure out what you want to do with your life. So Latham Thomas, you have been named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, and you have worked with some incredibly, you know, lovely women. Um, Where can people in general that maybe, you know, really need this guidance um, beyond your prolific work and the things that are available your books and such and audio recordings and mindful meditations and things like that. But um, this whole process, you know, about maybe having an advocate during the journey of pregnancy, where can folks find you and the resources that you've built throughout the nation and internationally? Yeah, yeah, they can go to mamaglow.com and there, if folks are looking to access a doula, you can find a doula there. Um, You can be anywhere in the in the country and or globally. And we have doulas um, in all of the United States and six continents. I'm hoping for somebody from Antarctica, but we got six continents represented so far. That's awesome. And, um, and you can go there. You can also go to Instagram. We're on um, at Mama Glow, M-A-M-A-G-L-O-W on Instagram. And then my personal Instagram, just Glow Maven, I put musings, things that I'm interested in, things that people can learn about. Um, I, I show up there, like I'm not every day on it, but I, I go a few times a week, um, sometimes and I post up there and I think, you know, there's a wealth of resources. I'd like to say just like in general, um, I think people, if you're going along this path, 
there's wonderful right now, especially because everything is digital, there's webinars, there's uh, courses, there's all kinds of things that you can do online. We have certainly um, many of those too. And we offer one of the things I'm really excited about that we do um, is called um, demystifying maternal health for millennials. And it's a big, it's a series that we have. And it's, it's so many people coming together and creating community with each other and learning about these topics before they're actually going to have, you know, their parental journey. And so I think it's really great if you're thinking about this, if you're sort of confused, don't know where to go, like come by, sign up for the newsletter, and then you can get information that's like maybe appropriate to what stage you're at. It's not just that you have to join us when you're already pregnant or, um, or postpartum, but if you're just thinking about it and you just want to get curious and get educated, we have a lot of tools. And so, um, and there's many places obviously online that you can go. Um, so I just want to make sure people feel comfortable to take that journey, go on Google, go on Instagram, start typing in keywords that are interesting for you and start following accounts that will be educational for you. And, um, and then just start to create a bevy of resources for yourself that you can kind of have, but also share, right? Because a lot of us who are on this journey don't know where to look. And if you're compiling resources, it'll be helpful for the next person too, like in your community. So I would definitely encourage that as well. Yeah, self-care leads to, I think, um, whole care, because I think that the better we do for ourselves, the more capacity we have to give and, and be generous and share with others. So, all right, Lathan Absolutely. Thomas, Mama Glow, your work, thank you so much for what you do. Mindful listeners, once again, thanks for being here, and we're going to see you next time.